Diversion Audio. Welcome to Dear Skylar, where I talk to all kinds of interesting people about topics that I'm asked about as a transgender educator and activist, things like gender, sexuality, race, mental health, sports, and so many things in between and beyond. As you probably know, trans women and women's sports has been something that pretty much it seems like the entire world is talking about. And it's something that we've addressed here on Dear Skylar before. So if you haven't heard the episode with Leah Thomas and with Joanna Harper, I definitely suggest going back and listening to those. We're going to take this a little bit further and talk to somebody who is in women's sports as well. Her name is Lauren Gibbs, an incredible person, athlete, and Olympian, and I want to really get into how we talk about women's sports in general. Today, we'll be addressing the following question. How do we talk about women's sports, including trans women? Let's dive in. Lauren, I'm, I'm so happy that you have the time to come in today. I know you just got off a plane to yep. come and hang out with, uh, with me here. We're in an Airbnb um, in Los Angeles, which is your hometown. Yep. And, um, and you're wearing an Olympic team shirt for those who can't see it, which we're going to ask you about in a moment. But before we really dive in, um, I just would love if you could give a quick you know, overview of who you are, name and pronouns, and then yeah, who you are in the world. Yep. Lauren Gibbs, uh, she, her serious pronouns. Um, I think the interesting stuff, I'm a 2018 Olympic silver medalist in the sport of bobsled for Team USA, uh, which for some reason I get asked a lot what country Mm. I compete for, which Mm. feels wrong. (laughs) Um, 2020 world champion, started bobsled at 30 years old as a joke. Now I... Do corporate uh, keynote speaking, and I work for an incredible um, nonprofit called the Posse Foundation. I'm the VP mm-hmm. of Business Development. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, yeah. awesome. I actually want to go right back to what you just said mm-hmm. when people ask you yep. about what team yep. you compete for. So my, I mean, I think that one's easy for me to immediately think, okay, racism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious what you do in those moments, what you suppose about those moments. Like, let's let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, and it's it's always interesting because I'm usually dripping. Like I always travel in some sort of team usa gear Mm -hmm. for a number of reasons Mm -hmm. um and sometimes it'll say usa on my sweatshirt Mm -hmm. i wear my ring sorry hit the microphone um i wear my olympic ring um because it's the only piece of jewelry that makes sense for me Mm -hmm. um because it's just bulky enough to handle my lifestyle (laughs) um and i'm really proud of being an olympian of course yeah as you should um yeah and so (laughs) it always catches me off guard a little bit Mm Um, I actually talked to my boss about it <laughs> and I think now what I'm going to go with, I'm going to just say, what do you mean? Mm. Like I was wearing a, a sweatshirt that said USA. Someone asked me recently and I just pointed. <laughs> <laughs> You're even wearing, I mean, this one says just for anybody who can't see because not everybody's going to be watching the YouTube. It says United States Olympic team. USA. <laughs> yes. And people still ask you. Yes. What team for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the reason I, I wanted I was I'm really glad you named that. So you 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 came we, you know you, you came to the Airbnb and the first thing you said is you always travel in your USA swimming gear or sorry USA swimming. <laughs> I wish I was a good swimmer. Um, your USA Olympic like team. You can see where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Um, your US Olympic team gear, and you you said that with like a lot of conviction. You're like this is what I wear to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, I often have chosen to wear you know traditional male attire in a suit or a, a you know not a suit but like a button down with like my pants tucked in and nice mm-hmm. shoes when I fly because I'm respected more when I do that. Right. Um, I'm curious. Could you tell us like as, as explicitly as possible like why you wear the Olympic team gear when you travel? Yeah, I mean you know I travel all over the country and. I just never, I'm from Los Angeles, California. It's a mm. we're very liberal state. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've always felt safe. Uh, I went to high school in Pasadena um, and I've always been accepted, but the rest of the country doesn't have the same politics as I do or even mm. the state that I'm from. And so I always feel like if there are issues with the flight or there's a misunderstanding that I feel safer mm-hmm. when people know, one, I'm an Olympian, mm-hmm. and two, when they find out I'm a U.S. Olympian. Mm. And uh, the stairs go, like, they kind of lessen, like the gaze, it just feels, mm-hmm. becomes a little softer, more accepting. 
Uh, I also go overboard. I'm always helping people put like bags in the overhead, <laughs> take them down, um, make sure I make eye contact with people. I wear, I still wear a mask when I, when I travel. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I'll, yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'll ever stop. One reason my dad had a lung transplant. So like mm-hmm. he's a very, um, you know, vulnerable population. Mm-hmm. And then also like, I just don't have time to get COVID <laughs> or have any <laughs> desire to have it again. I had it once. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it for me it's like my safety mm. blanket. I guess it's mm-hmm. like my binky. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it's a binky that exists for a reason, mm-hmm. right? And I think, um, I mean, you named a bunch of, of different feelings you have. One of them was so that you feel safer. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you said the stairs lessen, they soften. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to put any words in your mouth. I, I've read a lot about specifically black women, mm-hmm. um, specifically athletic black women, specifically athletic looking black women. And mm-hmm. you are a very strong person. Thank that's you. clear. <laughs> um, and, and you gave me a hug and I could feel that mm-hmm. you're a strong person, which is amazing. It's a testament to the hard work that you've done. And that is often demonized right, mm-hmm. in society. Um, and so I'm wondering, could you talk a little bit about how sort of like black femininity or black womanhood plays into that specifically when you're on the plane or just in, in the world and how, you know, USA Olympian helps? Yeah. Um, I also get confused for a man quite a bit. Like today mm. I was checking at TSA, my back was turned to a woman. She was like, and I could hear her say, are you helping this gentleman? Mm. And I looked around and be like, I thought there was three women up here. And I was <laughs> like, oh, they're talking about you. Mm. Um, and you know, black men in the US can have, can have even more of an issue just mm-hmm. with authority mm-hmm. and navigating through the world. Um, but you know, I don't know that I've ever fit the norm for femininity. Mm, like, mm. I've been an athlete my whole life. I climbed mm. out of my crib at eight months old. <laughs> and I, I was raised in a family where, like, expressing your feelings and your passion mm. um, is a is just a part of life. My dad's a clinical psychologist. My mom was in, oh, is in PR. Um, and so I've always been someone that speaks either out against things that I, I strongly disagree with or for things that I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and my passion is expressed in me getting louder and more animated. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that gets I, the other day I was talking to somebody and we were talking about how I got my speaking career up and running and I was going through the steps and I was getting intense and excited and like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. very animated and, and, she said, oh, it's so nice that you can be so aggressive about it. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I just kind of paused and I was like, I don't, I don't really have time or the bandwidth to go there because mm. I still feel like I'm in a safe space. But I just love how, not love, love in sarcastic. like a sarcastic, facetious way, how passion in black women is generally, oftentimes, I don't want to like, you know, blanket statement Mm -hmm. seen as aggression, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that that probably would bother me more if I didn't have just the most incredible humans in my life who have always Mm -hmm. accepted me exactly the way I am. And I've been Mm -hmm. this, I came out this way. (laughs) Um, My mom said I was born an old black woman. So um, yeah, but like I know for people who don't have a support system, that's really hard to hear. No one wants to hear you're aggressive when Mm. you're sharing your passion. Yeah, Because aggression is seen as negative, Yeah, right? Now behind a bobsled, aggressive AF. I'm trying to break that 365 pounds lead in half. But mm, mm. in my daily life, you've met me like 10 minutes ago. I'm pretty goofy, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't take life too seriously unless it's a necessity. And so mm. to be seen as aggressive is a little disheartening. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think it's polarizing as well. And I, I think especially I, I, I'm glad that you made the connection to, to passion specifically, because I think that when passion is seen as aggression, right, when when positivity, when love, when joy is mm-hmm. seen as wrong, I think that I mean, that encroaches on the, the very depths of your humanity, right. right? Like if you can't even be like, I'm excited about this, right. people being like, whoa, calm, right. calm down. You I know? mean, it reminds me of like, recently, right? Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark, mm-hmm. um, both phenomenal basketball players yep. and doing similar things. And one is being demonized and one is being celebrated. And, yep. you know, kudos to both of those women. They've both really supported each other, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and just women's basketball, go women's sports, watch women's sports, support <laughs> women's sports. Um, 
Sorry, I gotta plug women. No, sports. please, please. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about women's sports. Okay. Don't worry. So absolutely, um, I yeah. Think and so people should watch women's right? sports, and not only because trans people are playing, right? <laughs> but let's support trans women athletes too. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. So it's just uh, we have so much work to do in this country. We do, and we do. unfortunately, that came about in a very ugly way. You yeah. know. So yeah. yeah. So take us back um, a bit. You, you you played volleyball mm-hmm. at, at Brown, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure was great about at, at, at volleyball. But then now suddenly between between volleyball when you were in your 20s, early 20s, mm-hmm. right to to thir- ten years later deciding to do bobsled. Yeah, I can't imagine they're similar. <laughs> no, like, they seem very different. Very. Um, I don't know anything about either sport. Um, 350 pound sled i've now learned that just from you talking mm-hmm. about it but i'm curious tell me about the jump between those and you said it you started as a joke i just would love a little bit about that background. context yeah. yeah please well you can watch my ted talk no i'm kidding you can but you, don't you should to. everybody well, <laughs> you should watch your ted talk you don't need to um yeah i was living working in denver colorado working corporate america climbing that corporate ladder mm-hmm. making really mm-hmm. good money mm-hmm. you know living life and a friend of mine who was uh, training towards 2016, it was 2014 at the time, um, as a rugby Olympic hopeful, now mm-hmm. Olympian, mm-hmm. was like, hey, you should bobsled because you back squat a lot and you deadlift a lot. Like my back squat at the time was like 375, deadlift was like oh 435. <laughs> okay. And I was like, <laughs> there was like a an Olympic training center an hour away in Colorado Springs, which I'm mm-hmm. sure you know about. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, a lot of swimmers go there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought, how cool would it be to like be able to tour like the training facility? Maybe mm-hmm. I'll get to meet an Olympian and mm-hmm, like eat in the mm-hmm. cafeteria. And I did all that stuff. I think I could pay like $45 to do it all. Did the combine uh, and was like, what a cool behind the scenes Olympic experience, thinking mm-hmm. nothing of it. And mm-hmm. I was 30 at the time. Mm-hmm. I got a. Uh, email about two weeks later being like congratulations you've been invited to rookie camp and i was like that's so cute (laughs) rookie camp i'm 30 and at that moment i was like well i gotta fully vet every opportunity that comes to me um so i'm just gonna keep going until they're like ma'am thanks for coming (laughs) but this isn't for you and that took eight years to happen um when i missed the 2022 team because Mm -hmm. i had bilateral hip labrum surgery Mm. shout out to dr philippon at the sedman clinic for fixing everything Jeez, bilateral hip Mm -hmm. surgery like five weeks apart Jeez, it's actually not bad like the hip it was okay is a pretty like it was my first orthopedic experience for Uh surgery and it was pretty easy to to go through not expecting you to say that right me neither glad (laughs) yeah and so i made the 2018 team Mm -hmm. one silver two years later gold and world championships and then the whole world shut down and Mm. changed forever Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. so are you still training now um i'm about a year out of surgery actually just was up in Vail. that's where i was flying from Mm -hmm. checking in still Mm -hmm. have some pain in the right hip Mm. um but he said my glutes aren't firing and if I could get them to fire, I'd be faster. Mm. So now I'm like, do I go back and try again at 40 something? Maybe. Stand by everybody. Yeah, I feel like you <laughs> I feel like you should. Why not? Why not? You know? I mean, we'll see. I love my job. I love my life. Mm. I'm living a, a life bigger um, than I could have ever imagined. Mm. Right? An example of that is sitting here chatting with you. Mm. I'm a huge oh. fan. Oh, that's okay. Um, so and just so proud of the work that you do. Thank you. Um, so we'll see. All right. Yeah. Well, I take back my you should. I think you should if you want to. I appreciate that. Don't, don't do it if you should. <laughs> I more mean I am excited to see I you succeed. I got you. Athlete to athlete. We get each <laughs> yeah, other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to ask you that first because I think it's super inspiring that you went Thank back you. to sport later, that you yeah. switched sport, that you went to the, like, that is so cool. I <laughs> think that, you know, so many people give up on their dreams of whatever it may be, but especially sport dreams. Yeah. I think, honestly, they get up, give up early, you know, and there are different windows for different sports. Some, sure. some give up because there's no tr- good path, right? Yeah. Like so many little girls stop playing sports early because there's really no support or path. You know, girls start their periods and... You know, it makes it makes sports harder. I remember mm. my first period playing soccer and wearing a pad, and I was like, "This is awful. <laughs> I'm never doing this again." You know, so it's just uh, there's a lot of reasons that people stop sports, and it's 
it is not who I am, but it is a bigger part of why I am the way I am. And that's why I advocate for everybody having access to sports. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think that's a really important note. So, you know, inspiring that you, that you entered sport in many different ways and in different times in your life and had massive success doing so. And there are so many things, like you said, that thwart people from achieving their mm-hmm. dreams in sport. And I think you you named a really important one for for young girls, especially young cis girls. Might you know? I think a period can stop you from a lot of things, but a lot of it is not actually because the period itself. Yes, mm-hmm. I've I've also menstruated, and that was a difficult time. Mm-hmm. Putting in a tampon the first day I went to swim practice, like that was really a something. <laughs> Freaked me out, and I pulled it right out of me. Oh god! I was like, oh, <laughs> dying. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that is not an experience that I wish miss. on anybody yeah. um, and I think you know there, there is that and, and and a lot of it is also the lack of education yeah. about you know I knew nothing about having a menstrual cycle and the I, stigma behind it right yeah God forbid like I talked f- to my coach about it you feel like everybody can tell that you're bleeding <laughs> they all know <laughs> Yeah, and probably none of them do. And no. the coaches would probably not do anything. Like I had mostly male coaches, yeah. um, and and I, you know, very infrequently would feel comfortable talking about it. Anyways, zooming out from this one thing, I think that that's important. And there's so many barriers that young girls trans or cis experience mm-hmm. um, that are barriers to sport, right? Yeah. And we can talk about anybody, but let's talk about women's sports because yeah. that's what you competed in. And that's also what people seem to suddenly care about. All of a sudden, um, All right? of a sudden. Um, although I will say that I don't think any of those people that came to watch Leah swim last year are there this year. They did not. NCAAs this year was like no turnout. NCAA swimming, which yeah. I, I heard from a friend. Any case, women's, women's sports girls sports there's a report by the women's and sports by women and sports foundation mm-hmm. and it names a bunch of barriers for women in sport specifically girls in sport um trans people are of course not on the list because trans people are not actually a threat to no. sport um but i was curious in your experience in sport as a kid if you experienced barriers if there are things that made it difficult for you to access sport um in any kind of realm but especially as a kid yeah, I think that um, I was in love with soccer. Mm. Um, soccer and figure skating were my first love. Mm. Uh, for figure skating, it was my size. Mm-hmm. I'm 5'10", 200 mm. pounds. Mm-hmm. It, so, uh, uh, figure skating wasn't in the cards for me. Soccer, um, I really wanted to play club. Mm-hmm. And the first like club or so I tried out for was very political. Mm. Like, they told me I made the team and then some other little girl whose parents were better connected Uh, got given this spot. mm. Um, And then with volleyball, it was just like tough finding a team that could put me on a college track that was nearby. So Mm. I went to high school in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. I played for, I think it's called now Mizuno Volleyball Club. Mm -hmm. I think it was called Club Long Beach at the time. Mm. So my mom was, for part of the time I was driving myself, she was driving an hour plus in traffic Mm -hmm. um, right after high school to go play. And then it was like two, three hours of practice and then drive all the way home to my homework. Mm -hmm. So I think that was just like a location, right? There just weren't as many clubs, great clubs Mm -hmm. for women's sport. I graduated high school in 2002, Mm -hmm. right? At that point, if I wanted to go beyond college, I would have had to go to Europe to play. Wow. And still, that's still the case for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. There's a good AVP tour, but I am terrible in sand. It's a mm-hmm. different sport. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that was it. Like, I really saw sport as a way to get a good education, mm-hmm. graduate, and get a good job. Mm-hmm. And that was really it. Because mm-hmm. that was really all that was available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's not dissimilar from a lot of other folks' experience, especially, yeah. I think, many folks of color. I think many folks from, you know, backgrounds that might not be systemically empowered if mm-hmm. you will um and i think uh, like you said the access to the sport right i feel like there's like so much there's so many sports teams in many different ways but they're not a lot of girl sports teams right. there's not all the access you had to drive like you said an hour just to get to practice they right. had to practice for three hours you'd come back home and then that's that's five hours just yeah. there and then what right yeah um and i you know that's a barrier we've also in you know in the in the report there's barriers about bullying uh, I, mean, I was bullied a lot of my childhood and I, I was perceived as a girl for most of my childhood and mm-hmm. um i was bullied all the time you can't play this sport like you're a girl you know girls don't play sports girls right. whatever right i'm sure you had that in in moments as well i got i, I think someone 
I remember someone trying to bully me. Mm. I was, I've always been pretty spicy. <laughs> I held my mm. own. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Good I remember a, a tiff I got into. I'll tell you that story later. Maybe it might not be appropriate, but I, I ended up winning that argument. Mm. Um, but what I found is that I was always that person who tried to stick up for the people who were bullied. Mm. Um, because I never understood being mean for the sake of being mean like you don't get anything from bullying somebody mm. yeah so how how has that process evolved so what you're saying is sort of being an ally being a, mm-hmm. a supporter being a non uh being an active bystander mm-hmm. if you will yeah. to step in so that people aren't bullied um a have you been bullied and if so how did you deal with that and b how have you well let's start there i'm gonna ask you two questions yeah sometime. yeah how, um i don't Every once in a while, someone would be like, you're manly. Your mm. body's manly. Mm. And I'm like, I feel like you're saying more about yourself than me. I always <laughs> like, so my, yeah. So, or like my favorite is like, you won an Olympic medal in women's sports that doesn't count. I'm like, this medal looks pretty real to me, you know? And so people say that to yeah. you? Oh my gosh. I mean, I know, geez. Yeah. I did post something around the 2018 games got really bullied for it and i guess you could say it was slightly against my politics but i was trying to show that like you could have because at that time i really believed you could have different politics and still have a conversation Mm. and i just got hammered on twitter Mm. um and i stand by what i said i ended up deleting it because i'm like i didn't get into this to be political Mm. it was just a conversation about unity the olympics and like respecting each other Mm. and the this like just the horrible things that people said Mm. um and i actually engaged engaged in some pretty good conversation and some of the people were actually perceptive Mm. but in that moment i realized that sometimes just kind of not making a joke out of what someone's saying but if it's like if it's just if it's not detrimental to a marginalized community then the you know some things you just have to condemn right like no that's unacceptable you cannot Mm -hmm, no mm -hmm, draw mm -hmm. a line in the sand Mm -hmm. but if they're just making fun of me they're like you're not even a real athlete i'm like i know right Mm -hmm. i disagree because what is a troll gonna say to that right right you can't come at me you can come at me harder Mm -hmm. or like they'll put like a clown face up and i'm like so glad to know you love clowns (laughs) you know or they'll like put a poopy face or like i'm like man i didn't know you had the shits sorry (laughs) i'm like i'm sorry you have the shits (laughs) you know so i kind to take that angle um because if you don't know me how could you judge me mm. the only person i really care about is my mom if she thinks mm. i'm a good person then Aww. the rest of you guys can all kick rocks <laughs> yeah it sounds like you have like a very solid grounding in who you are and yeah. i think I, that, I that's like that's an energy that i'm sort of like feeding off of even in this conversation of, yeah um and I, I i hope that our listeners can hold that because i think there's there's such power to that and it says you know, like you said, if you don't know me, you can't judge me, which really says that I know myself, mm-hmm. right? And if you do say something, okay, sure. And maybe there are people that they would feel sad, maybe more sad than you might. And it's still a good reminder to ourselves, I think, to say, okay, this person said something crappy to me. That's not the facts about who mm-hmm. I am, right? There's more about who I am than whatever this person is saying about me. And I think yeah. that's important. But it is painful to think that people can be so awful to each other. Mm, yeah. Especially when I look at their profile and the first thing I see is God is first. That always fascinates it. me. Yeah. yeah. There's been some times where I don't do this often anymore because I don't read a lot of my comments these days, but um, somebody commented once and they said something about, you know, I don't know, some trending transphobic. We don't need to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And I clicked on their little like bio and it was like a, a, a quote from the Bible mm-hmm. that was something like, be kind to others. Right. And I just... I just went back and I wrote there. I just wrote the Bible quote. Be kind yeah. to others. Yeah. I was, and I signed it, the Bible, you know, the yeah. little like whatever number of the Bible book, right, whatever. Right. And I, and I, <laughs> and I was like, you like people are really stuck in their, in their ways of wanting to craft the world so that it fits whatever conceptions they have that are really just projecting their insecurities, projecting their fears. Like you said, when people call you manly, they're really saying more about themselves mm-hmm. and their stereotypes, their beliefs, their insecurities than they are. You know. I know men who wish they had this body. So, yeah. What do you think about that? Like, how, what does that make you feel? 
even better. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was what I was hoping you were going to yeah, say. Yeah, I love, I like, I love I that they love wish that. I love my body. <laughs> I have mm. been 160 pounds. I'm 200 pounds. I need to lose a little weight just because like, I miss my six pack. But my <laughs> body has served me so well to do mm. anything but love it would be mm. criminal. Mm. And like the true like mark of success is to love yourself Mm. because you only get one body you get one life Mm. at the end of it i don't want to be sitting there being like i wish i'd love myself more Mm. my thighs are massive (laughs) these thighs won me an olympic medal yeah right gosh that's powerful. I yeah. love that. Thinking about the end of whatever and mm-hmm. thinking, I don't want to look back and wished I loved myself more. Yeah. I imagine sort of like whatever the thing is right before we end life and, and sitting there with this like big bag of love we forgot to mm-hmm. give ourselves. Yeah. Like, like why wouldn't we give it to ourselves right. now? Yeah. You know? And like it is should be every human's desire to really understand who they are mm. and to live in whatever their truth is. That mm-hmm. is, I think, the thing that makes human beings so special is mm-hmm. that we have the ability to think critically about who we are and who mm-hmm. we want to be and mm-hmm. how we want to move through this world mm-hmm. that other species don't get that opportunity right, to right. do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like where we are now in the country is trying to stop that. Right. And that's a real problem for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> <laughs> it's a problem for me too. Right. I think it's a problem for a lot of people. Yeah. That, that attempt to... Um, quench no the uh, the attempt to quell uh any kind of critical thinking about mm-hmm. who we are it's actually when i go and talk at schools one of the things i say i think the biggest disservice that our school system does to children is not ask them to question themselves mm-hmm. we they, we don't make space for kids to be like who am i mm-hmm. and when we don't do that they never learn mm-hmm. and instead they just learn who they're supposed to be which is why the system does it because <laughs> the system wants us to be who we're but supposed to be you you grow into an angry human that then yeah. wants to create other angry humans like misery loves company i I believe that's a real thing it sounds like the amount of love that you give yourself that you don't hold for the end right Mm -hmm. that you're continuously giving is first i think it's a a never-ending well which Mm -hmm. i think is really amazing and it's such a never-ending well you sound you give it all to others Mm -hmm. and actually right before we started recording you told me that you put a bunch of hearts on a photo of me and leah leah mm-hmm. thomas um first hi op- leah <laughs> first openly transgender swimmer to win a d1 championship yeah. um in 2022 she assumed that title um and um swam in our in our ivy league new brown and Penn harvard ivy, <laughs> um and um you left hearts on a, a photo of us i don't mm-hmm. remember where it was maybe it was on her page or mine it was like a co Oh, it was our, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So yeah. it was our, our co, our collaborated post, whatever. Mm-hmm. You put hearts on it and you said that there was a response from the internet. So I was curious if you could tell us a little bit about what happened then. Yeah. There was some like, like likes and everything, but there was like this overwhelming, I mean, not, it's like not a ton, but like it was enough people who were like, I'm so glad you like sickos. Like it's you're mm. a disgrace to this country. My favorite one was like, you have less than twenty five thousand followers. You're not even relevant. You, you should take your blue check away. Oh my god! And it was just like, <laughs> it, it's this. It's I feel like it's the same people who say women's sports aren't real mm-hmm. who are also gonna say that trans people in sports ruining women's sports <laughs> like yeah, yeah. which one is it so women's sports don't matter but but you're gonna put all your money into quote protecting women's sports right and you're gonna you're gonna think that trans women are competing in sport because they have some agenda about ruining women's sports mm. but you don't care about women's it's very confusing <laughs> yeah yeah the logical fallacies are, are striking right yeah yeah that goes back to our school system it does mm. yeah we'll be right back with dear skylar in a minute couple years ago i was doing an interview this is actually before leah came out it was when laurel hubbard had had Mm -hmm. um had come out and or not come out but when she was about to compete in olympics and i was doing an interview um a radio interview i think it was for bbc or something and the commentator asked me donald trump jr said that he thinks it's unfair for laurel hubbard to compete what do you think about that 
And I said, I don't give a crap what Donald <laughs> Trump Jr. thinks about I sports. I don't care what little Donnie thinks. Like, why would I? And so I said this in, of course, a little bit more respectable words. But basically, I said, why are we listening to people who have no bearing yeah. in sports, who have never watched the WNBA, who are not advocating for equal pay in women's soccer, mm-hmm. who do not understand anything about women's sports and right. never have watched until now. Right. And even now, they don't, they're not really watching no. women's sports. They're just complaining about Leah Thomas, right. Laurel Hubbard, Cece Stelter, whoever else. Um, I think you're spot on that the people who say to you, oh, Olympic medal in women's sports, that doesn't matter, are the yeah. same people who are like, right. oh, and Leah is destroying women's sports. Right. Um, I'm curious if you've had those conversations like in your day-to-day life. Like if you've, um, you've, you've been, at least in, as far as I know, a very outspoken ally mm-hmm. to the trans community. Thank you. Um, I try you, really hard. Yeah, I, yeah. That's, and that's evident. Like you respond to like all my, that's how I knew that you, know, you existed to be yeah. a you because I don't watch sports <laughs> um, these days. So I, you had responded to a lot of my stories, you commented on a lot of things, mm-hmm. and I was like, who is this person who's commenting mm-hmm. on all my stuff and um and then i started following you and learning about who you are and i've been very grateful for your support and i also want to say it's it's unique it's not common for mm-hmm. us to have outspoken support there's more and more of it and i don't want to dismiss that yeah and it's always salient when it happens mm-hmm. so i'm curious in your day-to-day life um given that you're outspoken in support of trans women in sports and trans athletes in general what are conversations like in, in your life about this Yeah, I think I'm very lucky that I live in a world where the people that I'm around um, have similar thoughts, beliefs, and feelings. I I work with and uh, have worked with more in the past with a great organization called Parity Now. We're trying to um, increase the amount of money that goes to women sponsors, Mm -hmm. uh, sponsoring women, excuse me. And very early on in uh, the company, we had a conversation of like, what if a transgender woman wants to join our platform? Mm. And it was very simple. Trans mm-hmm. women are women mm. and we're here to support women. Mm. So I just like, that's where it ends for me. Mm. Trans women are women. Mm. Um, and then also just like, I think I talked about this earlier, sports isn't all of who I am, but it, it is so much of... Um, it's given me such an amazing ability to navigate the world in a productive Mm. manner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think there's like a statistic about like the number of CEOs that were in competitive sports. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think it's interesting. People always like, well, what if you had to compete against a trans woman and she beat you? Well, I already got beat in the Olympics. So (laughs) getting beat is getting beat. But more importantly, Mm. there is no medal more important than a human being Mm. being able to live their truth Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and be alive, Mm. right? Because it's not about anything other than like, this is life-saving for Mm. human beings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I would hate to deny a little girl an opportunity to play sports and Mm. learn how to overcome adversity and learn teamwork Mm. and learn to be a leader and learn to stick up for herself and like get knocked down and get back up and we're taking that from Mm. children Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and adults and that's it's that's painful to me yeah yeah i i feel emotions as you're talking about yeah it because i i know those trans kids i know mm-hmm. those those kids who are, are not if you having if access. you run into them can you hug them for me i know that doesn't change yeah. anything but so i i spent time with with um some trans kids recently and um, many of them were from states where they can't play sports anymore mm. and there's this little girl I think six years old, six years old, t- tiny child, like <laughs> truly tiny. Itty bitty human. Um, not only was she small because she's six, but she's small like for a six, for year, a six old. year old. Yeah. Um, and and she's very soft spoken, nervous. But then when I saw her with her friends, you could see she's mm-hmm. a very bubbly, like excited yeah. kid. And and next year she either has to play sports with the boys, she has to run track with the boys, or she has to not play sports. And she doesn't want to play with the boys because she's not a boy. She's not a boy. And. I just, I was looking at this group of kids, all of them are trans, and I was like, this, this is what we're afraid of? Like, these children? Children experience joy. Oh, and it it just, it breaks my heart, because I know, I know that, I mean, 
the shortest way to say it, the most direct way to say it, I don't think I'd be alive without sports today. Right. Sports sports were the place where swimming was the place where I could just be. Yeah. Um, it was a place where I could shut off my brain. It was yeah. a place where it didn't matter. Actually, ironically enough, it didn't matter what my gender was, right. my sexuality was, my race was. I was just swimming mm-hmm. um, for those two hours where I was just underwater, you know, and, and regardless of how you know my competitive success or or lack thereof it wasn't it was just about being able to play Mm -hmm. right and and to connect with my body and Mm -hmm. one of the things that struck me about and also made me feel emotional when you're talking about how much you love your body Mm -hmm. oppression tries to take us from our own bodies right Mm -hmm. tries to sever the relationship we have with our own bodies and right now it's doing that to trans children from the most basic thing we're talking about play Mm -hmm. we're trying to take play and fun from trans children Mm -hmm. um and it's heartbreaking like you said um and I, I, I think it really, to me, highlights this y- y- highlights this issue where it's not actually about trans people, right? In the same way that it's not actually about black people. It's mm-hmm. not actually just about, you know, any of the marginalized groups. It's about power. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're explaining that, you know, people ask you um, – what would it be like to be beat by a trans woman? And you're like, well, I've been beat before. Like yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how sports work. Getting beat is getting beat. Right, right. Um, and those questions that people are asking about trans women now are actually the same questions. If you go back and look at the 1960s and you look at when integration was happening, mm-hmm. right? And what do you have to go to school with a black person? They're the same questions, mm-hmm. and they're about sports too. What happens mm-hmm. if a black woman beats you, mm-hmm. right? It's the same questions because sports were not built actually on the inclusion, like women's sports were not built on the inclusion of all women. No. <laughs> women's sports were actually built on the inclusion of white women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people forget that, especially now when they're all doing the whole, well, we should make a separate category for trans people. Mm-hmm. Mm, what does that sound like? Mm-hmm. Separate like but equal, yeah. right? Yeah. But I was just curious if you had thoughts on, on that. Yeah, I just um, well, which part? Anything that came up for you, but I can ask you a specific question. If you yeah, if you, like if you have something specific. Yeah, I'm curious. Well, so you are both a supporter of of trans people, trans mm-hmm. women in sports, and you're also a black woman who's mm-hmm. been consistently called manly as, mm-hmm. as far as even you said just yesterday at the airport yeah. or today. Um, and so I feel like you have. An, an, an analogous experience to trans women who are often also called men mm-hmm. and you're in sports. And so I'm curious, you know, how do you, I guess, A, does that bring you empathy specifically your experience in the world? Does it bring you empathy towards, towards trans women? And if so, how? Yeah. My hope is that my empathy comes from being human mm. because I think too often if we can't, walk a mile in someone's shoes we can't uh feel empathy for them like Mm -hmm. i don't think people really understand the term empathy Mm -hmm. and so i think my empathy for trans women just comes from like sports Mm -hmm. like woman man nothing Mm -hmm. i know what sports has given me (laughs) it has allowed me to feel like i don't actually work but i work very hard Mm -hmm. but i love what i do so much Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like work Mm -hmm. and the doors that sports has opened up the people i've met Mm -hmm. um my best friend i met my best friend bobsledding Mm -hmm. she lives in germany but she is my other half (laughs) you know and so how many best friends aren't going to be made because mm-hmm. people can't play sports? How mm-hmm. many, um, how many like, kids are we going to lose? Yeah. The most important thing, how mm-hmm. many human lives are we going to lose? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause this mm-hmm. country really cares about children. I thought, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Because all of the 400 plus bills are about protecting children, even though we can't pass a single, you know, gun control law. Well, it's not, uh, guns, right? Like oh, guns those aren't the problem. Children. Right. It's all yeah. about thoughts and prayers, <laughs> right? T's and P's, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's just uh, it is an infuriating time mm-hmm. to have critical thinking ability. <laughs> <laughs> ability to critically think is it's a tough time. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody has the ability to critically think too. Do they? Think, like, well, are you sure? 
Like, I think you're being kind. <laughs> you're I think nicer that, than I, I think am. It's, I, think it's, I think it's really taught out of us, right? I think, yeah. that, I think, so I've spent a lot of time educating in schools with kids and kids are great. Yeah. Like, even when they're not, they're great yeah. because they want to learn. They mm-hmm. want to understand. Most of the time, kids are really good at critical thinking because mm-hmm. they actually haven't been taught to not ask the questions. Yeah. You know, they ask me very brazen questions. They're not always the best worded, but they're, but they're always great questions. Right. And what they show me is that the kids are curious. Right. It's curiosity instead of like malice exactly right yeah and it's curiosity instead of judgment Mm -hmm. it's curiosity instead of anger yeah um it comes sometimes looks like frustration but it's usually frustration they don't understand Mm -hmm. it's not something that's wrong well it's hard when you're being told one thing at home and the people that you've looked up to your entire life are telling you something and you're like am i supposed to question them Mm -hmm. right because there's always a moment where we in a childhood where we realize our parents aren't perfect we're like oh shoot (laughs) oh shoot Mm -hmm. you're not perfect you're actually human and Mm -hmm. then you understand what it means to be human which Mm -hmm. means that you're fallible Mm -hmm. and that's like a whole you know rabbit hole we could go down but let's not or you can it's your podcast well well i think what you just named is actually really key which is it's the humility to say oops that mm-hmm. wasn't it, you know, and we've lost that. This, we have, we well, don't, we don't. Absolutely, we've yeah. lost that, and I think there's a lot of reasons that we've lost that. But but a lot of it is power, of course, mm-hmm. and, and trying to concentrate power. Um, I think a lot of it, when it comes to inclusion of trans people, is intentional manipulation of the narrative, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's one of the things we're seeing with trans women in sports specifically, where it's not about women it's not about girls it's not about protecting women's sports because none of these people are putting anything into truly you know protecting because if we actually were protecting women's sports what would we do we would put tons of money into better consent training into safe sport right so that we would reduce sexual assault we Mm -hmm. would put money into having better team not better more teams more access right there's so many things oh we would maybe crack down on the bullying that happens to young girls who play sports mm-hmm. we would try to dis- dismantle the gender binary that forces we'd people stop saying like don't run like a girl we'd, we'd stop d- saying yes. don't throw like a girl exactly yeah. we do all of these things mm-hmm. and instead what are we doing we're trying to exclude girls right um and one of the things that i have been telling people since the belt bills began is that this was going to affect cis girls too because mm-hmm. people are like and i do that for a couple of reasons one because unfortunately people won't care about this until it's more expansive it's mm-hmm. not just about trans people but the second thing is is actually true (laughs) it will actually be affecting and then i said this for a long time i was like this is going to affect people too who are not trans and then guess what last year we actually started seeing people who were cisgender especially girls young girls being accused of being transgender because they were too good Mm -hmm. um and i think we've seen that constantly right right um have you ever been called too good for you know yourself and and being in sport as, as a woman have I ever been if I did my like, like little sassy self would have been like thank you <laughs> <laughs> like has um, somebody told you that because you're you know manly looking or whatever mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to parrot their yeah, words yeah, yeah. like have they accused you of being like unfair in those moments or something no well, that's good I'm glad I think it's but I I was born and raised in Los Angeles mm-hmm. you know yeah I've been I've raised in one of the most liberal places in the world and so mm-hmm. that might be overly but i think it's right definitely one of yeah. the more liberal places and in the so world. yeah i mean i remember in high school like people trying to like triple block me on a you know <laughs> no i always got like because like i'm kind of a clumsy athlete so mm. i would like i can i used to be able to jump out of a gym just mm, like mm. up there but not coordinated at all so mm. i would kind of like whiff the ball a little bit i see but because i'm so high up there it would go straight down right right so they would give me more crap about just being uncoordinated than anything gotcha, else gotcha okay. but no i i mean i have for a black woman in america has, have lived a very privileged supported life mm-hmm. But I know that there are a lot of people that look like me that have not. And I think mm-hmm. that is where mm-hmm. my empathy comes from. Mm-hmm. It comes from people who look just like me mm-hmm. and are probably a better athletes, smarter than me, mm-hmm. could go further, not getting that opportunity mm-hmm. that makes mm-hmm. my empathy mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and, I, lo- I love the way, sorry, go ahead. And just realizing my own personal privilege yeah. and then wanting to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what I hear is also, I mean, it's similar to what you said about trans women too, is, is 
it, it, you're really tapping into the depths of humanity. It's not even about, it, to me, it doesn't sound like it's about sports. It doesn't sound like about even about access necessarily. It's about like expressing one's humanity and being able to, to access joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear it as like, you were able to do all these things because, and, and it brought you joy, it brought mm-hmm. you self-love, it brought you connection with your body. And it sounds like you'll be damned if, if other people don't get access to yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and One I, of my sayings is I feel like everybody can have their own Olympic moment. Moment. Mm. And I feel like if everybody could experience the best part of themselves mm. and express it, there is no room for hate. Mm. There is no room for racism. There is no mm. room for bigotry. Because what people who hate on other people t- tell me is like, there's something in my life that isn't going well and I'm acting out. That's what it feels like. Like yeah. something is irking me and your passion and your joy and your elation and your ability to do what I haven't been able to do just mm-hmm. makes me mad. Mm-hmm. That's what I see mm-hmm. when I see. Mm-hmm. And then some of it's just like, you're an idiot. So please go away. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with Dear Skylar in a minute. I think that there are all people, my coach used to say, Skylar, there's assholes in the world who will mm-hmm. never change and you just got to let them be. Yeah. And you got to move on. And I, I think this is the most like simple coach way to say it. Mm-hmm. It's like, put your energy somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think that most people, I think you're right, most people are repressed in some mm-hmm. way, right? And they don't have access to the joy and they're angry that people like me and you maybe who have all these identities that are marginalized mm-hmm. are able to access the joy and they can't. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, there's statistics that support that, you know, white men are most likely to unalive themselves, mm-hmm. right? Why is that? Do you well, know that black women are the lowest category really? to unalive themselves? I did not know that. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what the psychology behind that is. That's a fascinating statistic. Too much to live for. Too much to live Believe for. me, at least. <laughs> I love it. I, I hear that from you. I, I Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, white men most likely to unalive themselves, most likely um, to use gun violence against themselves, mm-hmm. right? There's You're something like three times more likely to use the gun on yourself than you are on anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because I think there's this, there is a, there's a huge epidemic of um, men's health, men's mental health specifically. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's not unrelated to this conversation we're having here yeah. of the un- inability to confront oneself, the inability to um, be in oneself, to find one's authenticity, and then to actually want, like you said, if you can reflect that to the world, there would be a whole lot less bigotry. Mm-hmm. And like, um, I feel like the world is so boring if we're all the same. <laughs> it sounds so boring. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I... Like, there's just so much beauty and color, and, and I don't mean human color. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I have ADD, so, like, when I'm, like, tuned in, I, I can, like, mm-hmm. taste color, I think, mm-hmm. or, like, mm-hmm. feel color. Like, I don't know. When mm-hmm. I I equate it to, like, when I listen to music, it's mm-hmm. emotional experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel it, like, good music, and it doesn't even have to be anything, like, like, I like Megan Trainers. What is that, um... The Gucci Louis Vuitton song, like I can get oh, going on that. What is that I song? Can yeah. have my, I don't know. I'm yeah. not gonna sing. I can actually sing, but it's not gonna come out right. But you know what I mean? Like that song when I'm driving in my car gives me the feels, and like I'm just like I can I can see the, like pride that she, made you look. Yes, that's what it's called. I see the pride that she presents in that song, and I feel it, and mm. I feel connected to her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, And I think that's beautiful, Mm. you know? And so, like, what if everybody could express their version of that, Mm. right? Like, I I cry at the end of all of Beyonce's um, concerts because I'm just like, I hope she's having as much fun doing this as I'm having watching her. You know what I mean? Like, human beings are capable of so much. Mm. And if we're all the same, we're not going to get that, like, richness of life, Yeah, you know? I love the way you said that you're you, you're saying it's just it's a saying for a reason. If everybody could have their you know Olymp- or you said everybody can have their mm-hmm. Olympic moment, and then you said that if everybody has their Olympic moment, the world would be a better place. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, I, is your Olympic moment your Olympic moment, or mm. have you had other ones? 
Is there another moment that would be your Olympic moment that isn't at the Olympic? Do you, you see my question? Yeah, no, and I love that question. That might be one of my favorite questions. I will say this. The Olympics was the one of the coolest things I've ever done in my entire life. And mm-hmm. if I close mm-hmm. my eyes, I can still hear the sound <laughs> of the crowd. Because I had 17 mm-hmm. people there come watch me. I can smell the ice. Mm-hmm. I can see what the ramp looks like going down. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking... I'm about to win a medal. So it was amazing. <laughs> mm. But I think my true Olympic moment mm. was the moment I believed that I could do it. Mm. Oh, I got goosebumps. Because there's more days that I believed I couldn't mm. or thought I couldn't than I believed I could. Mm-hmm. And there was a flip that's uh, <laughs> a switch that flipped mm. that was like, I might fail, but this is possible. Mm. I have it in me mm. to do it. I just need to figure out the right path mm-hmm. and that unlocking that and understanding what it takes for me to be me personally to be successful now i can mm-hmm. wash rinse repeat that mm-hmm. in all areas of my life yeah except yeah. dating i'm figuring that one out yet no, <laughs> I travel I, too much <laughs> i i love that yeah. i think that um so your true olympic moment was when you realized that it was possible mm-hmm. and i think that like you said earlier that that is extremely extrapolatable you can put that anywhere Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be sports it could be your identity right Mm -hmm. i think i think for me maybe one of my olympic moments i'm going to say there's lots because i think i've found many moments where i'm like you are fantastic (laughs) well i don't mean it for other people necessarily watching me i just mean for like my like journey thank you you're fantastic thank you i appreciate it um i think the first big moment for me was was actually with sports it was when i realized i could be something and mm. i was i was not i was nobody at that point i was 13 and i was like maybe i could be good and that was the start of my whole swim career mm-hmm. but the next one that is really salient to this as a trans person specifically um was i like i think the first time i felt sort of like an unbridled joy in my body was when i woke up from top surgery and that post made me cry by the way well i yeah i cried when i yeah Yeah. when i when i woke up i sobbed i just i I sobbed because i was like i saw myself even with all the bandages on my chest i saw myself more than i had in years yeah and i woke up and it wasn't like (laughs) oh (laughs) Um, i'm probably gonna cry too but it, it was it was a moment where i I saw myself and and it was the possibility because mm-hmm. I wasn't done yet, right? I was literally in a hospital bed. My chest had just been split open. Mm-hmm. Like there was doctors all over me. I was on pain meds. It's probably a little bit high, yeah. like, you know, and, and I saw, oh my gosh, I can, maybe there's a world in which I can be myself, mm. you know? Maybe yeah. there's a world in which, you know, I can feel connected to my body yeah. and you are feeling tears now too. I wonder, can you tell me like, well, I want to say something now. I want you to, yeah. to tell me what you think about this, but like that is what I want for everybody. Yeah, like, I want I want trans kids and all kids, but yeah. especially trans kids, as we talk about this, to have that moment where they're like, I can exist in my own body. I can exist in my future. I think that um, I think I had that moment too in my life because, mm. like, we talked about, and this just came to me now. Being a muscular female, like mm. it wasn't cool to be muscular when I was little. Mm. I was born with a six pack, and everybody hears that now, like, yeah, it's so lucky. <laughs> but when like all your friends are size zero, mm-hmm. and like I was 145 pounds at 15, mm. like that's heavy for a 15 year old. I know guys that didn't graduate high school at 145 mm. pounds, and so I remember. Uh, watching the 99 World Cup final at the Rose Bowl with my dad. We were behind the goal Mm. um, that they were doing the penalty kicks. And I remember Brandi Chastain making that goal and the whole crowd went nuts. And then she ripped her shirt off and everyone was like, oh, she's showing. But what I saw as a muscular, like middle schooler was like, Mm. she's being celebrated for her muscles. Mm. And the coolest thing about that experience is that I'm on the Rose Bowl Institute uh, advisory board. And so Mm. I got to be there when they dedicated the 99 statue to the team. Wow, what a full circle. And I got to meet Brandy and show her my Olympic medal and tell her what that moment meant to me. And someone took pictures of me explaining to her and you can just see (laughs) the expressions on her face. And that was like, I want to be that for somebody else. Mm. Like, how can I be the person who was like, man, I really want to support trans athletes, women, people, 
but I'm just afraid to speak out. And I saw your post, mm. which I let live out there for mm. a long time. I just posted again today because my mm. nephew turned 15 mm. on Saturday. Mm. But I let that live as my top post as long as possible because mm. I wanted, first of all, I wanted anybody who was a bigot to see it <laughs> and leave. <laughs> yeah. Leave. Yeah. I love the people who announce they're leaving. I'm like, please, they're like, I'm leaving. And I'm like, please do, please do faster. Um, but then like part of me wants to stay because like, can we have a conversation about yeah. this instead of yeah. you just leaving? But if mm. you're just going to be an ass, please go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I lost my train of thought, but I think I answered you your So you, you were saying what other people have told you that, that, that I think you were saying they get inspired by you yeah. being outspoken and outspoken. Yeah, outside. like I hope, like, yes, do I want to support the trans community? Absolutely. But if I can inspire other people mm. to support the trans community, that's really where the work happens. You are speaking directly to my heart. That is right? absolutely the center. And anytime I give a training, I end, I do allyship trainings all the yeah. time. And I end every time with saying, now your allyship actually begins. And your job is actually, yes, to support trans people. But actually, the most important thing for you to do is go to talk to the people who need to be here and right. weren't. Yeah. That's exactly what you're doing. I mm-hmm. think it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you to go back just a second, the moment where Brandy takes off her mm-hmm. shirt. Um, and I imagine that's when you saw yourself yeah. and the possibility to yeah. be. But can you explain in your own words what exactly happened in that moment for you when you saw her take off her shirt and you were able to see yourself? Well, the crowd was cheering mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she had her shirt off and mm-hmm. she had all these muscles. And mm. I was like, I have those muscles too. Mm. These muscles equate to that that moment. Mm. And then from then on, my body was more than just something to put in clothes and attract mm. boys. Mm. It had a purpose. Mm. It gave sports gave me purpose, mm. Mm. and it sounds like sports gave you a, a way to also accept that part of you that and muscularity, yeah, and have mm-hmm. it have it mean something positive mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe like you said, girls weren't celebrated mm-hmm. for aren't celebrated for mm-hmm. muscularity in many ways. So it's getting uh, better. I think it, yeah. and I think you know, part and partly CrossFit like. <laughs> helps a little so bit funny. I think, well it, it people went through you know we went through the whole like strong as the new skinny and now mm-hmm. what i mean i think people every, strong is actually the new strong yeah strong is just strong <laughs> yeah <laughs> and every other thing is also okay because what we're saying is we're equating skinny to good right that's what right? i'm saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so we, i think people replace it right and that's where kind of crossfit has come in it's like okay now don't be skinny instead be strong right and it's like no no, no just be you just be you <laughs> whatever you are that <laughs> yeah. works um all right, I want to I want to end on on your note about allyship. Mm-hmm. Um, allyship is so powerful, and it's and it's most powerful when ally is talking to another person who could be an ally. Right, mm-hmm. I can go out there and tell people, "Hey, fight for us, fight for us." But it's more powerful if you go out there and say, and you say, "Hey, fight, let's fight together for trans mm-hmm. people." Um, what is your message to those allies, right? Hopefully people who are listening want to be allies. I think that you're a fantastic ally to trans people. You listen, you work hard to be there, you support, you celebrate, um, you focus on our humanity and you are unconcerned with the other details, which I really appreciate. People mm-hmm. get so bogged down in details and you're like, I don't care. I just want you to be a human. And I want you to be alive. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. How? What, what is your message for allies who are trying to figure out how to be an ally maybe they're really afraid yeah what would you tell them first and foremost you can't be an ally unless the community that you are ally shipping for allying Mm. sees you as an ally you can't Mm. just go out and be like i'm an ally Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um second thing is it has to leave your social media page it Mm. can't just be about reposting them or reposting your posts Mm. it has to be in your everyday lives Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um I got into it with my cousin's boyfriend at my other cousin's wedding as he was having this whole conversation about how he doesn't understand Dwayne Wade. And I was like, I saw red. Mm. He's lucky I wasn't drinking. And I just <laughs> started equating it to like, if I had a 12 year old who wanted to shoot a gun, I was like, that is not even the same thing. Mm. And I just like, in front of all of my family, and my dad's like, Lauren, stop yelling. I was like, absolutely not. I'm going <laughs> to condemn the shit out of this man. Mm. I'm going to, I just like, I started screaming at him, which mm. I'm not saying to be an ally, you have to yell at people. <laughs> but what I'm saying mm. is it has to be more than just posts. Also, mm. as an ally, you cannot go to that community for every lesson. You do an mm. incredible job of like 
being so succinct and being so organized mm. and like laying it out, I've learned so much from you. Mm, thank you. But you can't be the only place where I get my information. Mm. If I see something, I need to dig deeper into what I mm. see and understand mm. it. Mm. Is there actually scientific proof that says that trans women are ruining sport? I haven't seen any, and I've looked. Well, there there isn't any. Exactly, I've seen none. <laughs> I there, do, it, tell me if you find any. Right. I mean, I really look because I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be spreading misinformation. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. you have to dig, you have to teach yourself and hopefully you're not doing it just so someone in that community can be like, thank you. Mm. Because whatever community you're supporting doesn't owe you any support. Mm. They they don't owe you a thank you. Mm -hmm. They don't owe you anything. Like you should be wanting to do this because you see the beauty in being your authentic self and you want to protect people's right to be who they are mm-hmm. whether it's your you know the lgbt community whether it's black lives matter mm-hmm. um whether it's against asian hate like mm-hmm. you should just be doing this work because you know it it, you should be able to live your life the way you see fit, especially when you're not hurting anybody. Right? You're not hurting anybody by just being you. Um, yeah, that's that's what I would say to them. And then, you know, um, obviously protect your mental health. Yeah. There are boundaries that need to be drawn where conversations can't be won no matter what. Right, but like try and push yourself to stand up in a crowd when no one else is. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Last question for you. Why do you, and you answered it in pieces, but I want to answer it directly. Why Why are you an ally? Why do you care so much? Why Why do you stick up? Why do you scream at your cousins? Why, why um, have you have you been on this journey? Um, I think because at some point in my life, someone stuck up for me mm-hmm. and um, I have a beautiful life. And I don't think that you living your true life should stop you from having equally of a beautiful life. Mm. That's why. I love that. Yeah. Well, Lauren, you've made me cry like three or four times. <laughs> I've never cried in a podcast. Well, thank you so much for, thank for you. being here, for offering yourself to us. And um, thank you for your allyship. I know that I don't owe you the thank you, but I, but I, I, I want to give it to you. I want you to know that it means something to, to, to me and to a lot of us, you know, it means something to Leah and um, who's a good friend of mine. Hi Leah. I think you're really cool. <laughs> you're an incredible athlete. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think in this, you know, in this context, in this world, finding teammates is so important mm, and family finding yeah, family yeah. yeah and i i f- i've felt that with you even though this is the first time i've met you so thank you so much lauren this is the first time i met i yeah. completely forgot <laughs> well then good i did a good job as a host yeah you were great this is 10 out of 10 my favorite podcast oh, yeah thank you so much sure. where can people find you if they want to find you online any project you want to make sure that people know you're working on anything you want to share about yeah i would say um la gibbs 84 on <laughs> twitter uh instagram and tiktok they're like i'm not on tiktok much i'm too old for that <laughs> um and then i work for an incredible nonprofit called the posse foundation we're sending kids to college it started because one kid said i never would have dropped out of college if i'd had my posse with me mm-hmm. and so now we're gonna s- cry again yeah exactly Jeez. so now we send cohorts of 10 kids to school together to back each other up oh, and God, amazing over twelve thousand posse scholars have gone through the program they've won over two billion dollars in scholarships scholarship money so um, we're really trying to help uh, the leadership reflect the diversity that we see in our population Um, and it is one of the most special organizations I've ever been lucky enough to be a part of and it's work that I'm incredibly proud to be doing so check them out I love it yeah thank you yeah well again thank you so much lauren thank thanks you. for being here thank you for your words for your tears for your compassion for yeah. your humanity I'm, I'm so grateful thank you thank you thank you endlessly to lauren for her time and her honesty we'd actually never met in person before recording the episode we've been connected for years on instagram and i was so excited to actually sit down and chat with her i enjoyed our conversation deeply and i hope that you gained something as well Let's get to the episode's question directly. How do we talk about women's sports, including trans women? 
I think the answer is that we talk actually about humanity and then everything that bars somebody from accessing it. We don't protect or save women or women's sports by telling certain women that they are not woman enough. In reality, anti-trans rhetoric is not feminist. If you think it is, you've been tricked. As you heard in our discussion, there are so many barriers for girls to play sports that have nothing to do with trans people because trans people are not a threat. Access is a primary barrier to sports. Lauren spent three extra hours a day just getting to and from practice in order to play her sport in high school because there weren't any other options. Socioeconomic and racial disparities also play a huge role in many sports. Compared to 40% of white kids, 64% of black children don't know how to swim. Why? A history of horrible racial segregation that followed centuries of vicious enslavement. Even when my parents were kids in the late 1960s, pools were still labeled white only. When integration was required by law, some neighborhoods preferred to fill their pools with cement rather than allow black people to swim with white people. Others poured acid into the pool when black folks occupied it. We cannot talk about women's sports or really sports at all and fairness if we don't acknowledge these barriers and the history of systemic oppression that affects sports. Bullying and the lack of representation of women in coaching and other athletic leadership roles results in the fact that so many girls don't see themselves in sports and this is yet another barrier. Seeing ourselves in sports and in our futures should be a given. It should not be a privilege. Talking about women's sports requires understanding that sports are inherently unfair for so many reasons, none of which are because of trans people and trans women. Lauren said that if everyone had their Olympic moment, the world would be a better place, and I agree. She also said that her true Olympic moment wasn't actually the Olympics, but rather when she realized it was possible to win an Olympic medal. I have felt similarly about my own most joyous, best moments of my life. They were largely about recognizing possibility and then having the confidence, feeling in that moment that I would be able to see myself happy in my own future, really seeing my own humanity. When we are talking about women's sports right now, the country is so focused on fairness and really transphobic arguments about trying to exclude trans women. But I think the true question is this, what stops us from being able to see the humanity of others, no matter their gender history or gender identity? This is the question we should be asking. Check out episode two with Leah Thomas and episode three with Joanna Harper if you'd like to learn more about trans women in women's sports and dive deeper into that conversation. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. What do you think of today's answer? Send me your thoughts or any question you would like to ask me by going to dearskyler.com. You can send me a message via text or even better, a voice message. Dear Skyler was written and hosted by me, Skyler Baylor, for Diversion Audio. Our producer is Antonio Enriquez and supervising producer is Mark Francis. Guest booking by Anthony Lopez and Keith Lowry with assistance from Corey Michibata. Our head of development is Jacob Bronstein with Emma DeMuth. Custom music by Tyler Cash. Our head of marketing is Nisha Gopalan. Executive producers for Diversion Audio are Jacob Bronstein, Mark Francis, Susan Canavan, and Scott Waxman. Diversion Audio.